0: This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangraff. BTL is brought to you by Lorenz, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline. Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries.
1: BTL, coming at ya!
0: Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. We have a lot to talk about today. We have Pro Circuit Titles, Angler of the Year Races, Elite Series Champions, and a guest, a guy who has pretty much done it all over the course of his career, uh, run a business, he's gone through the Bass Nation, he's fished the MLF Pro Circuit, he's fished the Bassmaster Elite Series, he's won pretty much everything you can in Alabama, and he's one of my favorite guys to chat with, none other than Crimson Tide fan, Jamie Horton, on the verge of week zero here in uh, college football but we're gonna get Jamie Horton on uh, in the second segment of the show show we did last week with Ken Duke and Brad Holman got a lot of feedback and there are a lot of things we talked about during that show and it came to mind well Jamie Horton has literally lived been through and has the authority to talk about all of those things so that's why we're going to have him on but we're going to start out talking about what went on over the weekend in bass fishing and a uh, really cool story out of the uh, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit uh, title championship that went down uh, on the St. Lawrence River this past week. Kind of a unique format there where they did box and and uh, and weigh their fish in, uh, but they did a five-fish format in an uh, BPT style. They split the 50 anglers into groups of 25. They had two qualifying days in the weight zero. The winner of each of those qualifying days went on to the finals. Then the top eight from the, uh, the semifinal went on to the end. And, uh, then they had a one day shootout one day shootout for a couple hundred grand, uh, and Spencer Sheffield, 22 pounds, 12 ounces gets the title win, uh, a guy who's been around for a long time, came up through, started as a co-angler uh, with the FLW Tour back then, and then has had uh, seven, eight, nine very successful years on uh, on the pro circuit, uh, finished second in the Angler of the Year race in 2020, and then finished third this year. So he takes a lot of momentum heading into the BPT, which he qualified for with his third place place finish but uh, very consistent effort no surprise there a drop shot and a ned rig uh, gets the job done for spencer Shuffield. Uh, probably the guy finishing in second is one of the hottest anglers in the world right now that would be dakota ebear he is fishing uh, both the uh, bpt and the pro circuit he finished second in this event so the last three uh, pro circuit events he's fished second place third place and second place the last two bpt events he's fished sixth place and third place ends up finishing ninth place in the pro circuit angler of the year standings and seventh place currently heading into the last stop of the bpt on mille Lacs coming up in a couple weeks so uh <clears throat> really good uh event over for the tackle warehouse uh title It's a, it's a definitely a different vibe with the, uh, with the belt now, I believe in its, uh, fourth year, twenty twenty 22, that'd be the third year for the belt as opposed to the, uh, the Forestwood cup and, and, and what the Forestwood cup was, but nonetheless, good derby over there. And then over on the elite series, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit before we get into Jamie Horton. Um, I've got some thoughts on, on what went on over there, but, uh, I was I was intrigued, so I was watching the pro circuit weigh in, uh, and we don't, you know if you've listened to BTL for more than the past year, you know that uh, Frank Scalish who comes on Thursday and and Mark Jeffries who retired in December are big Carolina rig fans. Love the C rig, and I can't stand the thing. I can't tell you the last time I threw a Carolina rig. Uh, there was a top ten out of the pro circuit uh, ch- title championship. On a Carolina rig and I was like, ah oh, that's kind of noteworthy and then you go over to the elite series that was kind of all over the board on Owahhie a very interesting event and uh Austin Felix wins that event uh gets a elite series title uh started the year out really un austin Felix like and then got it together uh and he caught him on a drop shot and then he also caught them uh on a Carolina rig he caught him on a, a z man Big TRD. And uh, the net, and then he also went to a Carolina-rigged Zoom speed craw with a 5 eighths ounce carolina rig weight. Uh, and he, he used some little deal on his line to keep it from getting nicked. I actually uh, talked uh, with Austin last night. So they're back-to-back events, right? So they have an off day-to-day practice starts tomorrow for Wisconsin uh, on the Mississippi River. But Austin said, hey, man, would love to come on. I'll be asleep then. He drove seven hours last night after the Elite Series win to get uh, to the Mississippi river. Uh, So he is currently sleeping and has to have a good event here to qualify for the 2023 Bassmaster classic. Probably also some of the biggest news coming out of that was it was almost like a victory celebration. I think we kind of crowned uh, Brandon Polinick as the 2022 Bassmaster elite series angler of the year, looking to get his second angler of the year title under, uh, under his belt. And, he goes out and he finishes 66, which is his lowest finish since 2020 on Lake Follow when he finished 67th, his lowest uh, smallmouth, I guess I wouldn't say exclusive, Rick in like the three largemouth that exist in Hawaii, but a very uncharacteristic miscut on a smallmouth fishery for Brandon Polinick, but then his two closest pursuers in, uh, in David Mullins and John Cox, neither of them caught fish either. So... Uh, Brandon Lester and Chris Johnson jumped up. Lester makes the cut in 47th. Johnson has a second place finish. So he maximizes points. Lester goes out. Now it's only like a 37 point lead heading into the last event. So, uh, there was a lot of room for anglers to make a move on Brandon Polinick and no one was able to do it. Uh, So he still somehow maintained his lead with the 66th place finish after a very uncharacteristic uh, angler of the year performance for Brandon on a smallmouth fishery. So uh, I I always think it's cool. It's interesting, just the mentality uh, of those guys. Like I followed Carl, too, since we had him on and he talked for an hour and a half about the importance of positive attitude and, and being in the right mental frame of mind uh and just the maturity and and level of professionalism that that Polenik shows afterwards talking about learning experiences talking about decision making talking about putting him, putting himself in position to succeed and and entering events in the right frame of mind not dwelling on what happened or saying what ifs it's it's uh it's really cool uh, and i think that translates uh into life all right uh i i debated on whether getting into this or not uh i definitely do want to get into this because this is this is uh this is some pertinent, some pertinent information. I think um, the Matt Robertson deal. If you don't know, uh, so Bass on uh, Thursday and Friday are are live on the .dot com uh, for the entire duration of the day, and then they go to FS1 uh, for the weekend. It's been really, really well received. Uh, actually, uh, Mercer and I just did a little uh, uh, cull a uh, podcast episode out where Mercer argued that 2022 is the best elite series season in history. Three bags over a hundred pounds, uh, winning events talking about it. And I, I argued that the first year was, but and en- nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. They've had some great coverage out there. Uh, but for an hour in between, uh, FS one coverage, they kind of have a break and they go to this thing called, uh, called the live mix. Uh, and, and during the live mix, um, Matt Robertson was on it, who was having, I mean, the guy's having a, a crazy good year. He's he's uh, finished fifth in this past one, and then he went 17th, 9th, 17th, and 4th. He's cashed $81,000 in his last five events, and he's in the top 10 in the Angler of the Year. For a dude who who made it through the Bassmaster team series, and we were first introduced to the fur jacket and the slamming water on stage and all that, like it's a great story. Matt Robertson is good for the sport. I think it is amazing what he has done as far as finding his niche. A la like a John Daly, a golfer, John McEnroe, a tennis man. He connects with uh with a lot of the general public that follow fishing and they can relate to him. You want to talk about coming up, makes no bones. He lives in a trailer park. He dominated on Kentucky Lake. He catch him on the weekend series. He comes through the Bassmaster opens. Uh, He has a personality. I think that, that he's not a robot. He answers all of his fans on, on social media. He takes the time to personally do that uh, in a sport where so much of it is robotic and, and super professionalism. That being said, something interesting happened on, On the final day, and there's a couple things that led up to it. But Robertson takes his pants off during during uh, the live mix, and he's got the whitey tidies on. Now these are this is not. There's a reason behind this. You know, Bassmasters ran an article on the lucky underwear, and he's got his sleeves cut off at the Bassmaster Classic, and he 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 plays this persona. But he had these things off for like. 30, 45 minutes on the live mix and they're like straight whitey tighties. And it was awkward. I thought it was incredibly awkward. And I started wondering and thinking, I'm like, what how does this happen? You have a professional league uh that is that has been fighting for legitimacy, trying to become uh on par with with big sports, with golf, with the, the the tennis with bowling. I'm just thinking of, of individual things. And I understand some of it's playing a character, but he also is genuinely like this, but it was awkward and it was whitey tidies, And, and I personally don't think it reflected good on the sport. So I, I, you know, he eventually put his pants on. They didn't do any coverage of him on FS one when they came back, but I kind of kept thinking like, what the heck was that? So I said, am I the only one that, that, that thought this was maybe uncalled for? Uh, and not a good reflection on the sport and, and as a whole a reflection on the entire Elite Series and the staff and professional Fishing as a whole when you're at the top Level so I called uh, I talked to, to numerous uh, I'm not going to name names numerous Elite Series anglers anglers who fish in the Open fans who just watched it uh, People who work at Bass And I also called some, some sponsors Who have decisions in the industry Based on where they put their dollars and they all Agreed that it was too far and that it shouldn't have happened and it shouldn't have been shown on on live mix and there needs to be some something done about it. So then I said, well, I have to look at this from an objective standpoint. What can be done about it? Because if you go to the Bass rules, I mean, if there's nothing against that or anything, well, yeah, it sucks. You might not have liked it or you may have liked it. Now it just comes down to a matter of personal preference, whether you think it was funny and awesome and a way to kind of stand up against the the machine and show your your personality and your individualism or whether it was a swing and a miss uh so i pull up the, the 2022 bassmaster elite series uh rules the official rules and under it is a c7 you can find this online on bassmaster.com is the angler code of conduct uh, and it says anglers shall at all times conduct themselves in a professional manner that demonstrates integrity honor, and respect towards fellow competitors, tournament staff, and the general public, and does not reflect unfavorably on Bass, its members, officers, or representatives, tournaments, or sponsors. Anglers are frequently in the public eye and are considered role models by young people. Therefore, it is imperative that the tournament competitors demonstrate good sportsmanship in fishing. Sportsmanship is defined as fair play, respect for opponents, and polite behavior while competing in the sport. So then, it goes down and says any angler who violates one of the provisions of the sportsmanship rules or angler code of conduct may be subjects to fine, reduction of angler of the year points, or forfeiture of tournament. Uh, and then it says when an elite series angler is found to violate the angler code of conduct, it talks about the offenses. We're talking about fines. And then after you get to the uh, fourth uh, offense, uh, possible suspension for or ban from Bassmaster. It so says a number of offenses uh, counts over the course of an angler's career. So I... I think you have to go back and the only thing that's kind of subjective is did this display uh by Matt Robertson uh demonstrate good sportsmanship uh did it reflect unfavorably on Bass its members or representative tournaments or sponsors and I I think the answer to that is is yes I think it did I think it was uh not a not a good representation of what we want professional fishing to be. Listen, there's a whole talk. You talk to these guys. You want to be treated like a professional athlete. You want to get paid like a professional athlete. You want to get covered like a professional athlete. I think there is an onus, a responsibility on that angler once they reach that top level. There's 94 of them on the Bassmaster Elite Series. There's 80 on the BPT. There's millions of people who bass fish. There's hundreds of thousands of people who watch this. Regardless of what you think, I think you have to act in a certain manner that 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 shows respect decorum and and honor to that top level and if you want to get treated like a professional athlete on that level get paid promoted and respect you have to act accordingly and when you don't you have to pay the piper it's fine if you want to do that on your wednesday nighter. it's fine if you want to do that on youtube it's fine if you want to do that in a in a team tournament But when you pay that entry fee, when you sign that contract, when you agree to what is on the 2022 rules, you know what you're signing up for. And then that onus is on you to behave accordingly. There's way more in this than just a a, a funny deal of, hey, I took my pants off when I went fishing. That's fine. We've all, it's no big deal as far as that is. But he broke those rules. He broke that code of conduct. It looked unfavorably on it. And I kept thinking, man, this would never happen in a Ray Scott-run tournament. I don't think it would happen. I know it wouldn't with with Trip Weldon, with the way he ran a tight ship there. This is the first year under Chris Bowes uh, and Lisa Talmadge running it, and I'll be very interested to see if there is uh, a, a fine, a penalty, a press release, anything in regards to what went down in it. Because I'll be honest, like... I thought it was a boring tournament, Oahi And it's nothing about the fishery. It's nothing about Bassmaster. They did great on coverage, did an amazing job on the surface of the moon getting live coverage out on this. But for, for this to be kind of the main thing uh, that comes out of it. Uh, There was, there was cursing on live. There was, it, it was like a high school locker room for a minute. And I'm sitting here going, dude, this is the top level of the sport, the top 90 on the final day being aired on, on FS one. And now there was just a brief view of it on FS one. And they didn't go to Matt after they came back. Supposedly he said he didn't put him on. There was some, some back and forth with Seth fighter who obviously, uh, has, has maximized his persona. I love Seth fighter. Like I said, I like Matt Robertson. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't have anything against the guy. I, I would. I, he has an open invitation if he wants to, 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 come, on, uh, to come on BTL and, and explain the reasoning as, as to why I, this was, was not an issue. But I think there needs to be a, a penalty for what happened. I think they need to get it in line and say, listen, read the rules, read this. The kids, the youth, the people that are talking about this, the professional sport, uh, I, I think a fine, just under the rules. Now, don't take any angler of the year. Don't suspend him, nothing like that. But I think you need a fine, put on probation, and saying, listen, this cannot happen again. My 75-year-old mom is at home. She follows the Bassmaster Elite Series. She's a fan. It's on their big screen TV watching the live mix, and I'm getting a text going, what the heck is going on? Why is there a guy in his underwear fishing on TV? Like, how do I explain that to my 75-year-old mom? How do you explain that to the high school kids who then think it, it, it's cool? You know, you can say you're not a role model, but you are. It says it right here in the rules. It says you have to act with it with the decorum like that. Uh you know, it wasn't that many years ago that the Bassmaster Elite Series guys fought to be able to wear jeans on stage. Jeans. On stage. They couldn't wear jeans. They had to wear slacks. Now they can wear jeans. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a it's a I Just to me, it it puts into legitimacy and questions everything. And I think it's kind of a selfish deal because if you're a sponsor, if you're out there, you are representing the entire industry on that level. You are in the top five of the biggest tournament stage with cameras that they fought for with cameras for five years to be able to show your individuality. And if I'm a major sponsor, endemic or non endemic, and I'm watching that and I'm trying to decide, is this something that I want my brand associated with that I want uh, that I want? My image to be out there with and that's the time that I turn on is 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 Matt Robertson in his whitey tidies and the cursing and the chaos that was going on during that time. I'm taking my ball and I'm playing somewhere else. That's just a matter. And, and when it comes down to that, then it impacts it impacts uh, everybody across every level. It impacts me. It impacts uh, the staff at Bass. It impacts the other anglers. Am I wrong on this? Uh, I might be wrong on this. I don't see that happening. I don't see a guy playing his back nine and his whitey tidies and everyone saying, oh, that's funny. I mean, there's a difference between showing your uh, individuality. And I get it. I, I mean, it it might not be a huge deal, but in the grand scheme of things, dude, you got to act professional when you reach that level. That's your responsibility. All right, we're going to talk to Jamie Horton when we come back. BTL on a Monday. We'll be back right after this.
1: Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS, now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99, and we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart, our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Loran sonar, from chirp, side-scan, and down-scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and C-Map Reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, This new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot seven inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance, the Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush.
2: We're
1: just about ready
2: to go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm about to get in order. Once again, Drew Cook is in the driver's
0: seat. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat,
1: humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday.
0: I wear though. Any fish, any water.
1: The KVD 100 Jerkbait, 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability, 3D eyes, premium black nickel hooks, KVD, tie one on, striking lures. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com.
3: Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the deep dive app today. Look that beast right there. Elite Series Pro, Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide Batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide Batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com.
0: What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here. Welcome back, BTL, on a Monday. <clears throat> that might have been one of my first hot hot takes uh, since taking over a BTL in January, but I mean, it fired me up. I might have... No, I, it fired me up. It still does. I don't think it's me being a Karen. I don't think it's me overreacting to something. I think it's something that doesn't belong in professional sports. And yeah, I do agree with some of the comments. I think some of the onus lands on Bass, too, for Aaron. it. Let's go to Jamie Horton. So that's a weird intro, Jamie, like a really weird intro. Probably not how you planned on coming into a bass fishing podcast, but what are you up to?
2: Uh, just fixing to bid some work this morning. We got about a million dollars worth of quotes to turn in this morning on some podcast. You
0: had to listen to me rant rant about bass fishing in your underwear. You're probably yeah. going, holy cow, this is costing me dollars every minute.
2: No, that's, that's good. I, I see your point.
0: You ever fish in your underwear on a camera?
2: No, I uh, never considered <laughs> that. I actually thought it was a rule against it.
0: Uh, the, well, so did I. So I went through I went through the entire rule book, and they're actually, from what I can could tell and what I read, there is nothing that says what you can or can't fish in.
2: Yeah, well, I, I guess that's one thing. I actually don't know why you would have to have a rule against it.
0: It is what it is anyway. I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback on that, which is good or bad, which is why I like BTL listeners. Have opinions, I read all the opinions, good or bad. I appreciate the feedback. have at it,
2: yeah, like I'm completely
0: wrong on this.
2: I'd like to read some of them myself <laughs> all
0: right, uh like I said before I, I brought you in one of the reasons I wanted to get you in is we had a lot of a lot of good feedback uh from the show that Brad Hallman and Ken Duke did, and we got into some heavy discussions about the best path, the most efficient path to prepare yourself to harden yourself for the rigors of the professional tour. And we got off of the air, and I was thinking, well, who is the uh, who's probably one of the best guys to have on that's been there and done it all? And dude, uh, you you have done it just about every way you can and fished at every level. So I thought you would be a great guest to kind of piggyback on that discussion. Uh, Kind of your history, dude. You've been f- tournament fishing for decades.
2: Well, it's been, I actually didn't start tournament fishing, I was 27, I'm 55 now, so it's been quite a while. And, and uh, you know, we had a lot of success at the local level. Uh, I actually had a, a whole lot of success, one a bunch of boats and different things, and and uh. Actually, the, the federation is is kind of what got me to where I am now. And this is my 11th year as a professional fisherman, and, and I couldn't have done it without the federation.
0: All right. Uh, that's a hot topic right now is uh, it was the federation uh, when you came through it. Now it's called the Bass Nation. Uh, in your career, talk about when you started fishing the federation and coming up like where were you in life in business as far as and with a family and how were you able to take that and go from local regional stick to national touring pro through that grassroots program
2: yeah i've been, I've been here working with burks mechanical now for 35 years and when i started with burks uh, when mr burks started the company hired three of us and we up to 900 now so the company's really grown since I've been here. But back when I was younger, you know, I was allowed to time off two fish on Fridays and travel and fish to Federation and and I fished a few opens here and there. But, you know, fishing the Federation is what really got me got me started. And, you know, it's a long process. You kinda qualify one year and then it's kind of the next year. You gotta keep winning and keep winning. And, you know, once you lose, it's over and you gotta go back and then it's like a two year reset. So so you know them. It's kind of like uh, playing baseball. You know, travel ball don't mean as much as your actual local little league does. You know, because once you lose, you're out and it's over. Mm-hmm. You can't go back. And that's kind of where the federation was. Once you, you just got to keep winning and continue over a two year period to, you know, to make it to the classic, which allowed you the opportunity to fish professional.
0: Do you think you would have been able to fish at that professional level had it not been for the grassroots programs?
2: You know, like I said, me and Kobe Carter had a whole bunch of success fishing local. And I've been asked so many times if I thought I'd ever go pro or when I was going to go pro. And, you know, I actually probably waited too late. But my thoughts on going pro was I never had any intentions on going pro. And uh, as soon as I won the Federation in 2011, I actually left the night I won and flew to Kansas and was deer hunting. And I was actually in a stand and Trip Webb started calling me. While I was hunting, wondering what I was going to do, and told me I need to decide quick, and and I went ahead just made the decision. But prior to that, the week before went into Federation National, I had no thoughts of ever going pro, and then it just all just kind of, kind of rolled from there.
0: This is where I want to get into the part. So you had fished a lot of TVA, a a lot around uh, Alabama. You mentioned fishing with Kobe Carden. Like this is not bragging, put into perspective. Uh how many boats have you won?
2: Well, we we we've won twelve boats, but a lot of the boats we had an option to take the money or the boat. So we've probably not never actually sold but like six boats. But you know, we did fish the Federation in Oklahoma. Uh we actually come up with this six man team deal, the Federation did. I don't know if you remember that, the Bass Federation. Yep, I remember that. And, uh, and when that come out, I thought that was a great opportunity. And and me and Kobe got together and Chris Rutland, and we decided who we thought was the best local fishermen in Alabama. And, and we called Mike Kim, Tim Hurst, and Martin Kegg, and us and six formed a, a six-man team. And we actually went out to Oklahoma and, and won those six boats also. So that was, a, that was really nice because that was a goal we set, and it took two years to achieve it. And it's just really nice when you set a goal and then achieve it later on, you know.
0: Do you feel like your regional success translated to the national level? Or when you started fishing across the country, did you were like, man, I'm used to winning, to knowing what the next move is, to knowing where I need to do, and now I'm totally clueless? Or did that success... And, and the background and the foundation that you built there help you across the country?
2: Well, it, it definitely helped me the way I still fish. But, you know, at one time I, I thought, you know, the, the more knowledge you got, the more to fish, the more you would know and you'd you have such a great advantage. But the sports changed so much uh, with the electronics and things. The sports has changed so much over the last, really just the last four or five years from, from what it was back when we used to fish local around here. I think even Kobe fish is different around here now what me and him did
0: what was the what was the biggest challenge to you when you started going out you know back
2: you know back when i first started fishing uh i had a plan to be the best fisherman i could be and and, and i was really good at sight fishing that's something i learned as a kid so i always felt like i was one of the, the better local guys at sight fishing and then i didn't know that yeah and and then we learned how to swim a jig and what I felt like I was not good at was fishing offshore. So me and I met Ed Giddies up in, at the time he was at Gunner's Well up, I mean now he's at Paris, Tennessee. And me and him started fishing together during the summer. And we fished all the lakes on the Coosa and and Pickwick and Wheeler and Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley, And we fished all those places years ago. And I was just amazed is you know, you hear people say now they found these places. I found them with my electronics and all this. A lot of them places. Me and Ed fished years ago just off of a map, mm-hmm. In places that he had found. That's how much he fished during the summer, and he and he showed me how to fish offshore, and then in return I showed him how to fish shallow. And then uh, years later, uh, I probably won more money offshore. And he probably won more money shallow there for a while. <laughs> Actually, I think he's won the last two tournaments on Kentucky Lake, both of them shallow.
0: So this younger group of anglers coming up, because I'll be honest, I I, I kind of took the side of with with high school and college fishing. Uh, if if you have the ability to to fish that AAA level right out of college or high school, or, or as soon as you can, that I think it's beneficial to be able to to find and catch fish coast to coast and that that before you entertain thoughts of and i hate the term going pro before you entertain thoughts of seriously qualifying for a pro circuit for an elite series that you don't have to be dominant at the local or regional level you don't have to be a, a jamie horton where you're winning boats and trucks and tournaments that it's as valuable to learn how to be proficient and find fish on natural lakes, in Florida lakes, on TVA lakes, on the Carolinas with bluebacks, in in, uh, in the Ozarks, on grass-free rock lakes, up north on the natural lakes. Uh, w- w- what are your thoughts? Do you think, which way do you think is better? Do you think a guy should learn how to grind it out and win before he makes that step? Or do you, you know, in hindsight, looking back now, think that's not a necessity to have success on the national level?
2: Well, I think if you had asked me this maybe a year or two ago, no doubt you need to win at your local level. And If you get where you can dominate at your local level, you get the opportunity and you, and you can afford it pursue a professional career, I, I think that's what you ought to do when you're in your prime, you know, when everything's going good and you are winning. I I think that is the best route. I think that continues to be the best route through the day. Uh, not to say that two years from now you might start to see the ch- trend changing some. I do think that that if uh, if Bass keeps the rules they have in set and if BPT keeps the rules they have about requalifying and unqualifying, I do think the average Competitor, competitive age, and, and into trails would probably drop twenty years in the next five years. average really? age of fishermen. I just these young guys are, you know, everybody tends to work harder at things when they're younger, and I think a lot of young guys are are working really hard, and I think they're really smart, and you just see a lot of them being really successful. But a, a lot of those guys at this point still did dominate around the house. You know, Connell was a great fish mm-hmm. here at home. And, uh, you know, I, I think you still, at this point, I still think you need to dominate around home. But I could see that changing as you have more college kids graduated. that learn how to catch fish more different ways. You know, being really good at one technique uh, can really hurt you sometimes. Uh, just knowing what to do you know, some of these guys don't really try to fish your strength, I don't think. I think it just fixed the strength of that lake, and I think that's a good thing at times.
0: Interesting. What do you think the what do you think the biggest advantage of being an, an older veteran in this sport is? You know, if you're in your your forties, your fifties, let's go sixties or seventies, even like Rick Klun. Let's go. You know, just that age. What is the biggest advantage that you have over the the young guys coming into this? You know, the first
2: thing you would you would say would just being going to these lakes or having as much experience on the lake. You know, you know, if you look back, what Larry Nixon's still doing. I mean, it's really incredible how well he's still competing on the different lakes. You know, it just seemed like he always catches them. But you know, now a lot of the guys spend so much time at the lakes before they go off limits. Uh, i think I think it's just really even now
0: all right uh I want to take a quick break, and when I come back, I want to dive into the other side of Jamie Horton. You know, you work your butt off, you've been doing this in tournament stuff, but you've you've got a wild streak in you that I don't think a lot of a lot of people know about like you've got some some country like you're not afraid to put things in your live well in your rod box to raise things that are dangerous that could bite you. I, I mean you've got some pretty good stuff that I, I've heard stories around and I'd be like, he did what?
2: Yeah, we used to Are
0: you will you willing, you willing to, to dive into some of the stuff that's happened over over the years that you've ran across on the water, Jamie?
2: Yeah, we used to we used to have to find our own entertainment growing up.
0: All right. Well, on the other side of the break, we will talk about that. BTL on a Monday with pro circuit angler Jamie Horton. We'll be back right after this.
3: Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors, see them all at bigbitebaits.com.
0: Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com.
2: Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well-suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area perfect for any worm presentation while increasing your hookup ratios the newly enhanced z-band holds your plastics on the hook longer reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics available in two-aught three-aught four-aught and five-aught this is the most durable worm hook designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer
1: preparation is key to success and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence.
3: Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John Crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors that's why is coming out with a handful of new colors including pearl shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty we've got copper shad which looks amazing in the water it's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water and then if you want some real pop we've got sparkle shad nothing but sparkles all over this thing and then last but not least we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md
0: ah btl welcome back with jamie horton from alabama you guys gonna win everything this year
2: I think we are have a pretty good defense this year, and I think their offense should be is pretty decent also. But I think our defense is going to be fun to watch.
0: Do you follow it as close as Brad Holman follows OU, like the whole transfer portal and five stars and what's coming up and who signed what and who Nick is talking to and who's talking back at Nick? Like, I are you I, deep into that?
2: Clint Davis sends me all that information. He texts me every day everything that happens new, so I don't really have to follow it myself. I just get it from Clint.
0: You get fired up over it then, or uh, like you? Do you go to all a lot of the games when you're I, around?
2: I go to three or four a year, and, and actually, oh,
0: yes. I, carried,
2: I carried Andy Montgomery to one, and we was winning forty eight to nothing, and the other team was driving, and we was all just hollering and screaming, trying to keep him from scoring. And Andy said, "I just don't understand." I said, "It's a little different out here."
0: I got you. All right. One of the cool things is, uh, you know, you have a couple beers with some guys around, and you hear here well one time i heard that jamie horton we may have mentioned this on the show like three or four years ago i think but i think it's definitely time to to circle back around this is it true i was talking with someone else is it true that you once put a bobcat in your live well
2: well i did try to put a bobcat in the live well and uh you know i've i've, I've caught everything that i've ever saw in alabama I've, I've caught it with my hands whether it be an otter a beaver uh, deer coon wild hog just whatever but uh fox got a bunch of fox coyotes but the bobcat i tried to put him in my live well because i really didn't have anywhere else to put him but them things are really quick and uh actually he ran up the dip net handling and, and the only reason that it didn't come out worse for me is he just didn't want it to so uh i had to let him go so
0: you were he was just swimming across the river
2: well he was just swimming, and I was just gonna catch him for fun and uh but they really they they were really quick, I mean a cat's hard to handle that's probably one of the baddest things out there is some type of cat, so anyway, so we let him go back, so he's fine, you got
0: him in, but you got him in the live well like you scooped him
2: yeah we did we did scoop him, and I did have him behind the neck, but he's just so fast, really so fast when I tried to put him in, he got his feet, and he turned around and come back up to dip net and tore my shoulder when he went over the top, but luckily he kept going. So we just, you know, we used to hunt a lot growing up, and and uh, actually my nickname's Coon. Uh been that way ever since I was like 13. I had to miss baseball practice, to get rabies shots from getting bit pretty bad, and, and some of the guys started calling me that, and that's kind of stuck with me. All the way through that's what all my friends call me most people don't even know my name's actually jamie but uh you know folks make fun of me because i'm not really scared of nothing in the woods i used to spend a night in the woods by myself coon hunting all the time that don't bother me any uh pretty afraid to be in a house by myself or like some of the guys that travel with me they'll tell you if i make the cut and they don't i go get a motel i'm not staying in a house by myself i'm scared of that but as far as out in the woods i'm good
0: we stayed in a haunted house in uh lacrosse one time.
2: I think we stayed at two haunted houses this year. One in Virginia and uh I forget where the other one was, but it was pretty scary.
0: What was the what was up with the Virginia house?
2: It just felt haunted to me.
0: Old? Like old, old, like a yeah. hundred year old house?
2: Yes, it was a really old house.
0: Who are you staying with?
2: Uh me and uh Scott Dobbins and Rusty Thranch and Ron Nelson.
0: Did they all agree that it was
2: Oh yeah yes, we all agreed that we was all if anybody got made the fourth, they cut, and the rest of us was not was not gonna stay in that house by ourselves.
0: no joke what did anything happen, or just the hair on the back of your neck, just little areas of the house where it just didn't feel right
2: yeah i I really think you can feel that you know we got a haunted, <laughs> we got a haunted house here and and we go down there and there'd be twenty or thirty of us, and everything's fine, but when it's just you and your wife left there to clean the house up, it's different. You can, uh, you can actually feel stuff around right the back of your neck. So I'm not fooled with that.
0: All right. So, Virginia, where was the other haunted house? Um,
2: I really can't think of where it was at right now. But that Here. was the one that really got me.
0: We'll do the, the, uh, the schedule Ray, Rayburn, Harris Chain, Pickwick, Gunnersville, James River, and Champlain.
2: No, I know. It was at Champlain.
0: Okay, so that's another historic location.
2: Yes, and, and luckily for luckily for me, Dobbin's booked the house, and he booked it for the wrong week, the wrong week. So the so we didn't get to stay there, and I was tickled to death. We got a motel room. I was me and Rusty was really happy.
0: How'd that work? You you like rolled up to it or something, and then someone else was like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be here."
2: Well, when he told us where it was at, we looked at it on Google Earth and the Street View and all that, and it was pretty obvious from the street it was haunted. Appeared to be haunted, but luckily when we got to New York, we found out Dobson had booked it for the wrong weekend. We booked three houses for the wrong weekend this year, somehow. I think we all booked one for the wrong week. We got to do a job of that next year. Yeah. Go ahead. When I was getting ready to go for that trip, you know, we smallmouth fish and had to get all my smallmouth stuff together. So I was actually digging around in my boat building looking for some worms and stuff, and, and uh, I stuck my hand in a box, and I had a snake bite me. He bit me pretty good there on one finger, just tore me by the edge there, but it was actually just a, a big rat snake. You know, when a rat snake bites you, his teeth come out. just feels like glass in your hand, glass slivers, and, uh, you know, I'd had that snake in there for a long time, just keeping rats down and stuff like that, and uh, he kind of got me frustrated then. I had to carry him down the road, let him go
0: you mentioned the smallmouth deal didn't you uh we were talking at the elite series at Oahu. there were some guys that were catching them out of uh 60 foot of water i think lee livesey was caught a 13 and a half pound walleye or out of 74 foot of water uh didn't you catch fish on the st lawrence out of like 110 foot of water one time
2: there's one spot right there where. we are all right we're all chippewa bay is kind of out in front of chippewa bay where there's a boat or something sank there it's like 105 foot deep and uh me and steve kennedy caught some fish there just for fun They was all small but they was all the way on the bottom 105 foot that's pretty amazing isn't it what
0: what made you even stop and drop on those things
2: well I, I, it showed a lot of fish suspended on the grass so there was a lot of fish it wasn't quite that deep so there's a lot of fish around 30 foot but but we did just drop them down just to see what was down deeper. And they was all small, like ten inches long, but there was a bunch of fish down there.
0: Did you have did I mean did they have the bends? Were they alive when they came up, or were you having to stop like halfway up to keep them to kind of let them adjust?
2: Yeah, they was kinda of, kind of blowing up some for sure.
0: <laughs> not not good derby fish then.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Interesting. That's gotta be the deepest. I've never heard of anybody uh catching a bass out of out of deeper water in a in a tournament setting right like i'm sure it might have happened on mead or somewhere somewhere else but in a tournament setting like elite series pro circuit bpt like practice tournament anything i think that you probably take the cake uh take the cake as far as catching the deepest one ever
2: yeah that one little spot there and it actually looked like a sailboat or something It sank there you can see something down on bottom. It looks similar to a boat. And this was—that's probably been seven, or eight years ago. So you know, with a live scope or stuff like that, and there are the side images now. You probably see it a little bit better.
0: Huh. That's good stuff. How much longer are you? Uh, how much longer are you going to be in this game, Jamie? Like, do you are you in this till you win the a title, a tournament? Is it something that you do for uh, in enjoyment? What's your uh, What's your ten year plan? You know,
2: I, I really ain't sure, you know. I still enjoy fishing. Uh I got a grandbaby that's playing softball, volleyball, cheerleader, and I really enjoy that, you know, so uh, you know, being gone from home and missing sporting events, but if you playing baseball and all that stuff, it it's it's uh you know, you kinda miss more stuff when you get older that you but I, I do still enjoy fishing. I don't have any intentions on stopping real soon. Didn't you
0: have a crazy health thing? a couple years ago?
2: Yeah, I had, uh, for some reason, I don't know what it was, but when I won the Federation National, somehow I developed some kind of arthritis and I've been fighting that pretty hard and taking a lot of steroids and actually gained a lot of weight because of it. So, you know, all that kind of hindered, hindered me a lot. Uh, actually, all that's doing a little bit better now. Good deal. Kind of a freak thing. They really don't even know how it cured. Think about it. They said it could occur with stress. Maybe from trying to decide if I wanted to go pro or not.
0: <laughs> you, you still feel stressed. You seem like the type of guy who never gets stressed out over anything.
2: Well, that was pretty stressful. That you know, winning that event, and then you know, it, it's just it was a lot making that decision for me. You know, because uh, I put myself in a pretty good self, pretty good place at that time. But still, that's a that's a big big opportunity to take, big step.
0: I got you. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to your uh, million dollar deals that you're working on today. Uh, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out uh, to chat on BTL.
2: I appreciate you.
0: All right. See you, Jamie. Thank you, man. That was uh, Jamie Horton. And I think he was a little uh, modest. I mean, dude, the guy they hit with him and uh, Kobe Carton, there's like a whole little group of guys uh, that came up around that time. I think Russ Lane was in the mix there and stuff as as far as really dominant anglers uh, in the Alabama area, but just kind of a pertinent information uh, and an interview, especially surrounding all that's going on with uh, with the the Bass Nation and the Bass Master Opens and the qualifying process. A really great example in Jamie Horton of a guy uh, who worked his butt off, was very successful at the local and regional level, and then took that opportunity and, and translated it into basically a, a second career, both on the – Elite Series, uh, and then now on the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. So uh, we've got an exciting uh, lineup of shows this week. One of my favorite shows that we've done this year was uh, Bass Rider, Pete Robbins, and Pete will be on tomorrow. To talk about a number of things uh, on the Elite series, he has an Inside Line blog uh, and a personal website, and he's been talking, uh, been posting some really interesting things. So we're going to go over that. I want to get his thoughts uh, on the Angler of the Year race. He still writes for uh, the dot com and Bassmaster magazine, so get his thoughts on it. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, Jody White. Uh, If you remember, uh, Jody White, long time. flw employee mlf now he's doing some independent stuff he's also fishing a lot and and doing a really good job of fishing but uh he has been uh covering things on the uh mlf side and we're going to talk with him about transitioning uh and his career and his thoughts on the year Uh, the elite series uh kicks off practice for the final event uh of the year tomorrow on on uh the Mississippi River in Wisconsin so we won't be able to get them on I will work on getting uh Spencer Sheffield and Dakota Eber on uh as well uh to talk about uh the conclusion of that season and then starting to look forward to the final BPT uh of the season the picture's kind of becoming clear on who's in and who's out for the BPT for the elite series uh and then there's Four Bassmaster Opens I leave next week for a media event and then head to the Bassmaster Open on the Chesapeake Bay after that so uh, thursday uh we'll be back with frank scalish uh with another live show but big shout out to jamie Horton for taking the time to jump on btl today that's all we got we'll see you guys tomorrow bass rider pete robbins
2: see ya